Welcome to Career Tools. Today's cast, The Delta File. Here we go. So today we're going to talk about the Delta file. And and I've been doing this for years. I know you've been doing it for years. And it has been a treasure trove of information for me throughout my career. And I'm worried a little bit, though, that most people probably aren't doing it. And, man, they're just not getting the benefit. I've, I've gone back. Two things I've learned through this. One is I've learned not to do some things that have happened to me in the past, right? My right, boss sure. did something. I didn't like it. I took note of it. And then when I got in a similar situation, after reviewing my my Delta file, I stopped myself from making the same mistake. Right. So th- that one I learned. Exactly. And the other thing I've learned, the second thing I've learned is, is actually I've gone back and when I am in a similar situation, I've learned, frankly, sometimes how naive I was and <laughs> found out. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I was angry. Some things I was angry about in the past, it turns out I really didn't know what was going on. There were broader implications of the behavior. Yeah, those that that really you you just summed up the cast pretty well. I, I um my experience is very similar. It, it it's a career tool because it's uh, uh the lessons we learn sometimes our receiving of incidents and events is very different from depending upon our perspective. You know, I, I've told audiences before that, you know, particularly when a young person in the audience says, well, this won't work or that'll never work because of this or that. And I, I chuckle a little bit and some more senior person says, well, maybe you ought to have a little bit more experience before you answer that. And I say, look, when I was, tw- when I was 20, I thought I knew what was going on. And then when I hit 25, I look back and I said, gosh, you didn't know anything. And then of course, then what I said at that moment is, but now you're 25, you really know what's going on. And then five years later, when I hit 30, I said, you know, at 25, I knew nothing, nothing. And now at 30, though, I really know something. And now about you time really I, know Yeah. Something. And then about the time I hit 45, I realized, you know, when I was 40, I didn't know anything. And then I said, and now that I'm 45, I still don't know anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a healthy perspective to have. But, it's you know, it's amazing how many folks we talk to who don't follow this practice. And folks will get to what a Delta file is here in, in just a second. So it'll hold you forever. But they think you know, something bad happens, a manager does something, and there's just bad consequences. Everybody feels bad. People are hurt. And the direct, the subordinate in this case, says, I would never do that. I would never visit that on my directs when I'm in a similar situation. Right. And we follow these folks, and five years later, they're a manager under similar circumstances, and guess what? They do- They're doing the same thing. Exact thing. And we need a tool, the Delta file, to remind ourselves of what we were thinking back then so that we don't visit these same behaviors on our directs when we're in a similar situation. Yeah. I mean, th- there's no evidence that all of the statements, I will never do that to my directs, have in fact come true. You know, when I'm a manager, have in fact come true, you know, because managers today, for all the good that managers do, and, you know, we, we, Love managers who are trying to get better, but managers are generally behaving in the same ineffectual and often disrespectful and uncommunicative and domineering ways that they used to be. It's been this way for year, this way for years. And if it were a lot different, we'd be talking about it, but we're not. And that's because most of us, we know what we didn't like from our boss, but because we didn't have the net to catch why our boss would have done it, we just didn't like being on the receiving end. 
when we get into their role and we understand, oh my gosh, everything's changed, we might very well do those same things again. So the question now, right? So what can we do about it? And, and of course, that includes two things, vowing to change things when we have managerial power. And what that means is starting by keeping track of what you change. And that's where the Delta file comes in. Right. And so we got to talk about three things. Three things, right? What is a Delta file? What goes in it? And how do I keep one? Excellent. Okay. So, all right. We've been talking about a Delta file. We've, we've kind of assumed that people know what we're talking about, but we shouldn't do that. So let's talk about what is a Delta file. Right. A Delta file is simply a private record of managerial, organizational, and personal practices that we intend to change. That's where the Delta comes from, change Delta, uh, that we intend to change immediately or at some time in the future where our, when our role or our influence in an organization changes. You know, look, we've all seen things that we find objectionable. You know, when you're young, the things you find objectionable make you angry or cause you to act out or cause you to respond perhaps less than politically. You know, that, that, that's okay, but there's a smarter way to behave. You know, we're talking about moments where usually it's our boss, sometimes it's our peers, sometimes even it's our directs. If we're a manager, someone does something and we think to ourselves, that makes no sense or what can they possibly be thinking that would cause them to do that, right? The interesting thing about all that, though, is that they weren't thinking about how to mess things up, right? I mean, they weren't. Yeah, exactly. They, weren't, they yeah. were sitting there going like, okay, now what am I going to do today? I'm meeting with my directs and my staff meeting. What am I going to do today to mess things totally up? That's not what they're thinking. Yeah. In fact, this is a classic behavioral problem that exists when people are in two different contexts. We judge other people by their behavior. We judge ourselves by our intent. We don't give our bosses credit for their intent. And if we did that, we'd recognize bosses don't go around. I mean, a few do, but the vast majority don't go around intending to tick people off. And yet a lot of directs get ticked off an awful lot. Nobody intends to mess things up. But we don't give them credit. We don't ask ourselves what, you know, we really, when we say, what can they possibly be thinking that would cause them to do that? We're, we we see that in our head very loudly. We don't intend to actually ask that question carefully and say, what, you know, what might have drawn someone to do this? What were the, what was their intent? What were their motivations to do it? Look, things go wrong, but nobody ever causes things to go wrong on purpose. When things do go wrong, what that means is the perpetrator, usually our manager, they intended to do things right at least as they saw it. And so what happens is when, when we find it unacceptable, it's wrong for us to assume their negative intent. Now, now manager tools is, pr- is pretty darn big on behavior, but the point is the behavior we're observing that we don't like may have legitimate reasons for it. And we're not saying you need to understand the reasons. We don't even think you should ask what would they possibly be thinking that would cause them to do that. We're suggesting that that behavior must make sense to them in their context. And we suspect that when you're in that context, you will be more likely to do it than you would in your present situation. You know, where it breaks down is, you you know, look, we're usually talking about ethical and reasonable people in management roles or even peer roles, right? That would mean they're a lot like us. So in a way, when we see a manager, our manager doing something that doesn't make sense to us, it's a bit like us making that mistake. And then the question becomes, if people like us would do it, 
what must cause them to do it and believe what they're doing is reasonable. And, and, and that's the whole point of a Delta file. When we get to their level or their role or in their position or in their influential situation, we're probably going to have a similar set of incentives and pressures that they do. And we are quite likely to make some of the very same mistakes that they are making that we don't like now. And so we're going to need something to remind us of how our actions might be perceived by others to keep us from doing what makes sense at the time. But in fact, oops, now that I think about it, I remember that was in my Delta file. I better be cautious. Right. Well, there's another important aspect to the Delta file as well, because we're going to be frustrated. We may actually even be angry and we have to communicate this to someone. And often it's better to communicate it to our Delta file than it is to somebody else. Come on, that's <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah, we ought not to be talking about them with anybody else, right? Even even peers, that's a mistake that a lot of us make. I know I made it. We feel that because we're peers with other people and we share the same boss, it's okay to talk to them about what we don't like about the boss, which is wrongheaded and impolitic. So the Delta file really becomes a little bit of a positive outlet for our frustrations. Exactly. Okay, so now we know what the Delta file is. What goes in it? What do yeah, we put in it? I mean, yeah, ho- hopefully it's obvious. We, we have some examples here. We keep anything in our Delta file that we, we might want to change, either now or in the future. But what's important, what's perhaps most helpful about it is what we put in it, and, and we capture events or behaviors of others from our perspective. Okay, we don't, we don't try to guess at why the manager's doing what they're doing. We just talk about what happened and how we felt about it. In a way... It's a bit like steps two and three of the feedback model. Someone else did this, and here's how I feel. Here's what happened to me. Here was the impact on someone else. It's cause and effect. It's stimulus and response. It's action and reaction. I think an important point here is, and and we're not going to go into um, details about behavior and the feedback model and all that, but for those of you who are familiar with the feedback uh, model and are familiar with what we describe as behavior, the words you say, how you say them, body language, facial expressions, and work product, I'd encourage you to think about those. Because if in your Delta file, you simply write down a bunch of characterizations, five right. years from now, that's not going to make a whole lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, my boss is a jerk, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. When my boss acts like a jerk, this it doesn't work real well. Well, okay. What are the specific behaviors that caused you to, to characterize that behavior as being a jerk? Right. And I think, I think, yeah, I think to the people out there who are saying, well, but my boss was a jerk. You say, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe a panel of 10 would agree with you. But when you become the boss, you won't ever think of yourself as a jerk. And so things like that in a Delta file are essentially useless because you're going to say, well, I don't have to worry about that point or that point or that point because that was my boss and he was a jerk. And so I'm not a jerk. So therefore that doesn't apply to me. You've got to get behavior and response. It's amazing as as you take different positions, your definition of jerkness actually changes where, where yeah. before you'd characterize a managerial behavior as being a jerk. Now that you're a manager, you just describe it as being direct. <laughs> direct and demanding. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Demand, yeah. yeah. So, let, so let's give some examples, right? You know, your boss is in a meeting about project X, which will require a lot of work from your team. He's out by noon, right? He says nothing to anybody until 6 PM and then calls a short notice meeting. And you say to yourself, that's something I'll never do. But you don't say, I'll never leave my team in the dark. You say, he went to a meeting until noon. Everyone knew what it was about. And then he didn't ask, he didn't say anything about the big meeting until 6 p.m. And then called a short notice special meeting, right? Yeah. How about the deck that the whole team put together? There's input from everybody on the team. And 
he doesn't the boss doesn't say well actually this deck came from one of my team and not me he doesn't say that and then his boss tells him how how great a job he did on the deck yeah exactly right yeah lack of attribution right yeah your your peer tells your boss about a conversation you had with him about both of you not being communicated to enough, but your peer conveniently forgets to mention his frustrations to a, to your boss, only mentions that you were complaining about what you didn't hear from the boss, right? Yeah, or another example where your boss promises a response from the project sponsor about staffing by the end of the week, and he says, no matter what, drop dead data Friday. No question, I'll yeah, have it to you by then. Right. Everybody hears about it in the staff meeting, Friday passes, no information, no comment about the lack of the info from the boss, nothing. Right. I'm not doing that to my folks. Mm-mm. Right, right. Or your boss asks for candid feedback from you and or other directs. You give it, believing her when she says, trust me, I really want to get better. And the next day you get chewed out for being so presumptuous and uppity to question her leadership and decisions. Right? <laughs> yeah. I love this one. I'm not that I've ever lived this before or that it was in my Delta file, but your boss asks for budget input and then ignores it after going off site for two days and you get back a budget that has none of your input. It is completely his own. Yeah. Right. Right. And yet you and I both know that even though that's irritating, the fact is oftentimes the manager who asks for input is at least better off than the manager who doesn't ask for input. And even after, let's say I work for you, you ask my input. If your boss says to me, says to you, hey, by the way, here are your limits and you've got a 0.5 variance anywhere you want. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. In that case, you'd be doing the right thing by creating a budget that your boss will take, and probably that means no input from me. And what that means is the question is not whether or not you ask about input. The question is whether or not you circle back and say, look, I got your input. I really appreciate it. And unfortunately, the guidance we're getting is pretty tight, and I just don't feel – I mean, I, I'm unable to include all of your input. Maybe there'll be wiggle room later, right? That would have been okay, but managers don't do that. Right. And, and the point of the Delta file is if you don't write this down, what you're going to do is you, you might very well ask for input and then you're going to feel like an idiot when your boss tells you the thing that your previous boss's boss told him or her, which is, yeah, I, I appreciate the input, but this is the way it's going to be. Right. Yeah. So, so all these scenarios go into the Delta file as a way of reminding us of what we intend to change or do differently or not do at all when we're in a similar situation. Yeah, now there there is one that I don't think uh, I think we would argue that there's no context in which that it would work, which is your boss reprimands you publicly, personally, and at length. Right? That's not one that you would say, "Oh, the boss has a good context for it. It probably makes sense why he or she did it." Yeah. No. Yeah. No, probably not. Simply don't do that. Yeah, and so uh, to your point, the people who did the things that we're writing down in our Delta file are a lot like us. They have similar motivations. We may very well believe that when we're in their shoes, the path they took seems reasonable, even if not perfect. And we're in danger of visiting old news, you know, time-worn mistakes to our directs. And at least the Delta file reminds us of what the implications might be. And it might be a situation where we can think twice and handle it a little bit differently. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about how we keep one because there's, you know, we've seen it done a, a several different ways and we have some advice for folks on, on how to keep it, you know, whether it's, you know, handwritten or is it electronic, that kind of stuff. Right, yeah, we, we've, we've seen them kept three different ways. Uh, uh, by the way, I've always kept mine handwritten 
but I don't necessarily say that's the only way, right? The first one is electronic, which we're going to come back to. There are two forms of handwritten Delta files, one of which is easier to use, the other which works out better in the long run. You take your pick, <laughs> pick your poison. The easier way is to simply keep track of incidents as they happen, and maybe we use a simple delta or a triangle near the note you're taking and circle it to remind you that's for the delta file. Uh, I am amazed the number of people who take notes and don't have any sort of, you know, we recommend the Cornell note-taking technique, but I'm amazed the number of people who take notes and give themselves no visual cues about things that are important, circling something a certain way, underlining things a certain way. It's just all sort of stream of consciousness, and there's no way to tell things apart. I mean, the, the, the mind does not store words. The mind stores pictures and emotions. And if you're not taking notes, and, and I, I, we don't want you to doodle the way uh, high eyes often do, but, but uh, there's all kinds of opportunities to key your brain to, to the value and meaning of certain notes that you have, uh, and using a little triangle would be helpful. And look, the reason this one is easier, just doing it as you go and putting a little delta spide, is you can do it anywhere uh, at any time. And the, the burden to get over, the hump to have to go over is teeny because you just do it. You write it down and say, I'd never do that. And you put a sad face on it and a delta and you're there. The problem is it's less effective because it's unorganized. We're likely to lose many of those delta notes, um, those moments that have come up, uh, unless you routinely go back through your notebook and capture all, all things forward so that uh, you'll have a good record of things. I, I routinely talk to executives who say they're going to do that. About 20 to 30% of executives I talk to roughly say, yeah, I'm going to keep notes and I'm going to rewrite my notes later and capture them all and so on. And almost no one, I've never met anyone who has a good system for that because, of course, it becomes OBE. The harder way, uh, handwritten-wise, and it's only slightly harder, and we think better, is to keep all your notes in one place. Perhaps the back of a regular notebook that you use, perhaps in a file folder where we tear out notes and we drop them into the Delta folder, and maybe it's a it's a alphabetically filed somewhere near your desk. Um, and the key is that they're all in one place. Either one of these works, but we do recommend keeping them all in one place. Okay. Now, Look, if you want to keep yours electronically, that's fine. You can use your PC. You can use your phone nowadays. You can use a PDA. All those work. You could even use voicemail memo, voice memos if you want on some of the smartphones. There are two key caveats we have with that. One is to password protect it. You know, somebody asked me once, how do I password protect a handwritten folder? I said, usually most people's handwritten folders are so messy that people can't read them. Um, yeah. but, but if it's electronic, they can read it. Yeah, you put the whole uh, staff of the NSA on that, and they probably still can't decide. Yeah, exactly. Writing, so you're yeah, you don't need to turn it into a cryptogram or something. Obviously, one thing: password protect it. Please do so. You know, there there are various schemes and techniques to do that. We'll leave it up to you which one you choose. And the other is to recognize that if it's electronic, it's likely that file is going to be taken from you if you get laid off or fired. If you want to keep a record of your Delta file. And look, you, you may go from company A to company B and get a promotion. It happens. It only happens. It tends to happen later in one's career. But if you want to keep a record of it, you've got to keep – if you want to keep it, you got to keep a record of it elsewhere because most of the electronic things most people use at work are owned by someone else. 
uh, and those things get taken from you. We've had, you know, speaking of which, Mike, that cast we did, we got some pushback saying, oh, you're wrong. You don't need to print it out, list of your contacts and all this sort of stuff. We haven't revisited that. But the fact is, over and over again, we've heard from people, thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me that I should, I should uh, immunize, inoculate myself against a layoff and have my printed contacts and get it out of the system, and have my resume not on the company computers because people write us and say, I didn't and, and it was terrible. Or people write us and say, I did and I had them all written out and I was able to call them the next day and so on. That's just part of being intelligent about file and career management. It's one of those little career tools that you don't realize you need it until you need it. And then if you haven't done, you know, it's the ant and the grasshopper thing. If you haven't done your ant work, you're going to die in the winter. Yeah. yeah let, me, let me add one more thing about the electronic thing, because I run into this challenge before and, and I'll, I'll just suggest to people that you're going to be keeping this Delta file for a long period of time years and years. And even though today you have something, say, electronic tool that seems really cool and that you'll use forever, say Evernote, for example, which I just absolutely love. I've gone through like 10 of those in the last 20 years. <laughs> I used to use a thing <laughs> That's called a good point. Yeah. Echo, and I used uh, a thing called Braintree and Notes and Outlook. I tell you, I had notes spread all over the place. And every time you move to a new system, you know, you think you're going to export the stuff or copy it over. Well, you never do. And so, just be cautious of that. I found that the easiest way to keep it in a format that can be read for the next 20 years is in a simple text file, believe it or not. So be cautious about some of the tools you may use because, you know, five years from now, you may not be using the same tool and, and getting the data out is not necessarily the most straightforward thing. Sweet. Good. So, and look, just to sum up, speaking of that, this is one of our career tools, right? It, it's certainly not the only thing we need to do to be growing our skills. Maybe, in fact, it's a small thing. But I can tell you from experience, Mike and I can both tell you, the Delta file is one of those career tools that doesn't take much work. And once you start it and you see it work in your first job that you take as a promotion or a change or whatever, you will never go back to not doing it. It has the kind of resilience that one-on-ones do. Because people say, wow, did that help me? I look back and went, ooh, 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 three or four things that I would have done differently without looking at the Delta file. So hopefully we've shared, hopefully we've helped a uh, quick wrap up, which is what is the Delta file? But we've shared what, what goes in it. And then we recommended ways that you can use it either electronically or handwritten. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. Thank you. We'll see you. That's it, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you all again back here next week on Career Tools. In the meantime, check us out on the website, www.manager-tools.com. See you there. So long, folks.